ready to dive in the Word? Awesome. All right, so I'm going to start today with a question. Uh, I normally, I love to have you guys interacting with me, shouting back and forth, answering questions like that, but this is a question I don't want you to answer. Just answer quietly to yourself, okay? After this, you're in, okay? Answer. So here's the question. Will everything be easy when you're doing God's will? You answered. All right. Will everything be easy when you're doing God's will? The Bible is full of scriptures that talk about things like this, like victory over evil and how we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, right? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It says we are more than conquerors through Christ and the enemy cannot prevail against the truth of God's word and the powerful name of Jesus and on and on it goes. These are awesome things. But if those scriptures are true, which I believe they are, then why do we struggle? Why is that? Did you know that there are many churches out there that that actually teach that if you're struggling in life, then you must be living outside of God's will. It must be your fault. Well, is that true? What about the time when Jesus said, guys, listen, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. What about when Jesus said, blessed blessed are you when you're persecuted because of me? Don't these scriptures kind of speak to the fact that resistance is part of the Christian life, right? The last time I preached, we talked about this great scripture that says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and evil forces. While scripture is clear, that we do have the ultimate victory over evil through Jesus, I came to a realization that it will still be a wrestling match. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle, right? And wrestling is not easy. There's nothing easy or gentle about it. It's hard. It's exhausting. And the reality of our spiritual walk with Jesus is that we live in a wrestling match every day. It's a spiritual battle. So we have abundant life through Jesus, and we have an enemy who opposes us. Both of those things are simultaneously true. We have a God who brings correction and discipline when we are wrong. That never feels good. And we have an enemy who attacks us when we're right. Both of those feel like resistance. But here's the question. How do we know if that resistance is from Satan or from God? That's the question I want to talk about today. So we're going to find out. First, let's talk about the spiritual resistance of the devil. Okay, this is something that has been well established from this pulpit for years and years and years. We have an enemy and his name is Satan. We've talked about that many times. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What does it say next? Resist him. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I love this. This is a great scripture. First, because it gives us instruction on what to do, which is to resist. When you're attacked, resist. And second, it encourages us that we're not alone. Your brotherhood throughout the world are experiencing the same thing, the same kind of suffering. The enemy flourishes in secrecy. 
and in isolation. And he tries to convince you that you're probably the only one going through this. Nobody else is struggling with what you struggle with because you really suck. It's just you, okay? So you should probably keep it a secret. Therefore, it's your fault. But Peter is reminding us that we're all going through the same thing together. So be encouraged, man. You're not alone. Even Jesus was tempted. I apologize for this. Sorry. Then here's even better news. In verse 10, he says, After you have suffered just a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You're going to suffer just a little bit. But that's what's going to happen. Even though we struggle and even suffer, there's always hope because Christ has promised to bring us through. Amen? That's good news. Then James jumps on the bandwagon too and he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit. What's this thing he says here? Resist the devil. Just like Peter said, resist him. Stand firm, right? Resist him and he will flee from you. So resistance is the key to pay attention to. This is in your notes. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what we're called to do. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now oftentimes as Christians, we miss the point. And we we act out of fear when it comes to the devil. Right? Instead of standing firm and resisting, sometimes we just run away. or, Or we avoid the confrontation altogether. Like the devil's scary. I don't want to mess with him. That's not what the Bible says, though. And so there are two reasons that Peter and James instruct us to resist the devil. Number one, it's really simple. If you resist in the moment, guess what? You win. Period. You resist him, you win. Number two, resistance builds muscle. Resistance builds muscle. It makes you spiritually stronger. Have you ever noticed that All of us have had this thought, you know, that someday, I hope life gets easier, (laughs) right? Someday it's going to happen. I'm in high school. High school is the worst. I can't wait to graduate, get out of my parents' house, and my life will be easier. I can't wait to get a job, get that money. When I have money, life will be easier. Or I can't wait to marry this girl because dating is the worst, and it's just going to be better when I get married. It's going to be easier. Can't wait to have kids. They're so cute. Can't wait for those kids to get out of my house. Life's going to get easier, right? If we're honest, it never really does. And a lot of the times, it seems like it actually just gets harder. Let's just be honest. So that's the reason it's important for us not to run away from the struggle, but to resist. If we're not getting stronger now, today, then the struggle that's coming in the future will decimate us. It's coming, and it's going to be harder than what you face today. So you better be prepared. You better start getting strong now. Resist. I recently started going to some workout classes at the YMCA, and I was looking to, you know, get a good workout, and I saw they offer this class called Grit and Core. I was like, yeah. That sounds like a manly class, Grit and Core. Nice and masculine workout. I chose, I'm going to go that one. That sounds awesome. So when I got there, I was a little surprised to find out that I was the only dude in the room. And everybody else were senior citizen ladies. Lots of gray hair, which I you know, fit right in. 
but there's a big, big age gap there. And I'm like, dude, you know, what I guess I kind of want to leave, but out of respect, I decided to stay. And, um, the first thing the instructor does, she's like, she's like, take this huge feminine breath inside. And I'm like, oh my gosh. All right, I'm in it now. And she said, take out your resistance band. I'm like, can we get some dumbbells or some barbells or something, like something manly, you know? She's like, okay, put these under your feet like this and then cross over, bring them out to your hips. I'm going to start the music. So it's like back, forward, back, forward, side. I'm like, dude, grit and core stands for geriatric workout class. This is the worst. Okay, like three minutes in, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm getting my butt whooped. I'm like, ah, oh, try to like cramp it up, you know, and I'm just like losing my breath. I'm sweating and just dripping down my face. I can hardly breathe. And I have to stop in the middle of the exercises just to catch my breath. And I look over and all of the old ladies are just like kicking my butt. Like they're just like, what son? Come on. And then what's even more impressive is the workout instructor is amazing. She's like doing it, you know, harder than everybody, like full extension on every workout, going at a super high pace. And the whole time for an hour straight, she never stops talking, ever. She's just like shouting out instruction. Come on, you can do it, guys. This is why you woke up early on Monday morning to get a good workout. Don't give up. Don't quit. The dude in the middle, don't quit, right? (laughs) She's cracking jokes. She's singing along to the song while like, I was like, How do you do that? It was so easy for her. It was no problem. And I could barely keep up, let alone say any words. And I realized that resistance training is some of the hardest and most effective training that you can do. I was totally humbled. And it may seem ineffective or like it's a waste of time at first, but it's actually a powerful exercise that can even make a grandma kick a young man's butt. Yes. And so the same is true in our spiritual lives. Resistance builds muscle, spiritual muscle. You have an enemy who's prowling around like a lion to see who he can devour, and you can either run from him or you can resist him. And when you resist, guess what? He flees and you get stronger. That's how it works. In many ways, when you experience this sort of an attack from the enemy, it's actually an affirmation that you're doing a good job following the Lord. And many of us are like, man, why why is everything so bad? I must not be doing the right thing. And God's like, no, 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 good job, good job. Keep it up. It's an affirmation. If Satan isn't attacking, then that means he doesn't really see you as a threat in the first place. So why should he waste his time on you? You're irrelevant. But if you are experiencing an attack, be encouraged because you are disrupting Satan's plans. And remember, like Peter said, You're not alone. We're all going through this. That's why coming to church is so important. If it's like, hey, I know what you're going through, bro. Way to go. Way to be a church. Lifting up your hands. Oh, I know what you're going through, man. That's so fantastic that you're here. We encourage each other because we're all in this together. So Satan's resistance, we resist him. He flees. We get stronger. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I want to talk about a very different type of resistance. This is a resistance from God. You might be wondering, 
why God would put up a resistance against you. Because isn't he for me? Doesn't he love me? Why would he do that? Well, yes, he does. But he also has a will for your life that you can either follow or walk away from. The choice is yours because he's a loving God. It's your choice. He won't force you. But each one of those choices have very different consequences. We're going to look at the story of Jonah to see how this plays out. Many of you, even if you haven't been to church, you don't know the Bible that well, you've probably heard of the story of Jonah. You know, some dude a long time ago got swallowed by a whale type of thing. And, and we're going we're gonna to read about that. From the very beginning of this story, we see a situation that every single one of us have been in before. And it's this. Look at Jonah 1, verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Okay, stop right there. That's the instruction. Get up, go to Nineveh. Tell them they need to repent. So he has a choice. How's he going to respond? Let's see verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Not, he didn't go to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish. He chose to disobey God, to do the opposite of what he was supposed to do. So honesty time, have you ever been there before? <laughs> Me too. Where it's like, God's like, Matt, I want you to do this. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Thanks, but no, right? Like, we've all been there. And let's, let's just be honest about this question. Do you remember how that went for you? Not well. Maybe you're there right now. And hey, listen, you're at church. You're here at church. Maybe you're watching online. That's good. I'm proud of you. That's a good step. But listen, it's not really all about just going to church and attending. God calls us to do things with our life. So maybe you're there right now. So the story continues with Jonah disobeying. He goes on his way to Tarshish and he gets on a boat. He's like, maybe I can escape from God. Escape from God. I'm going to get on this boat, get out into the sea. Well, unfortunately for Jonah, that's impossible. It's like the psalmist says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? If I go down into the depths, there I find you. If I rise on wings like eagles to the heights, there you are again. You're everywhere. You can't escape from God. And no matter how you try, how hard you try, God is always there. And God's will for Jonah won't change no matter what he says or what he does. He is still required to go to Nineveh. And this is where we see God's resistance start to take place. In verse 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. So they're in trouble. They're freaking out. And God sees that Jonah is disobeying, and literally God brings resistance in the form of a storm to get him to change his mind. Like, Jonah, hello, pay attention, Nineveh, over here, pay attention. And so Jonah sees what's going on. He sees this resistance. And instead of crying out to God in repentance, which would have stopped the resistance, Jonah doubles down on his disobedience with an extreme radical decision. He realizes he can't escape God on a boat. Some, I don't know, 
what I could do. Maybe, I don't know, I guess I'll just commit suicide. Wait, what? How did we get there? That was a fat, what? Commit suicide? So he has the crew members throw him overboard to what will certainly be a terrifying and slow death by drowning all alone. Isn't it amazing how quickly disobedience leads to death? Well, God is still not done with Jonah. And in one of the craziest turn of events ever told, God sends a great fish to swallow Jonah for three days and three nights, saving his life. And just just a little side note here. This is a part of the Bible that skeptics and people that think like, that don't, don't want to believe in God, they're like, man, the Bible is a joke. Really? Sounds like a fairy tale. I'm sure that didn't have a great fish swallowed him. That's why I don't believe in the Bible. Well, it's really interesting. My wife and I were just flipping through YouTube last week, and uh, there's a story. You can look it up from 60 Minutes Australia of a dude who, is a, who makes a living diving for lobsters on the bottom of the ocean, and he got swallowed by a whale like a year ago or something. And he, thankfully, he had his oxygen tank on, but like the whale swallowed him. He's in his mouth, can't get out, started diving deep. And the guy, he's like, I'm going to die. There's no escape from this thing. And thankfully, the whale got uncomfortable because he's poking and hitting him and swam back to the surface and spit him out. I mean, it happened. So that's probably the second time that this has happened. This isn't just a fairy tale, right? And so, so it was only at this point... <clears throat> Where Jonah realized, I can't even kill myself without meeting resistance from God. And how many know that's a good thing? Yeah. Right? You, sometimes you want resistance from God for making a massive mistake. That's a good thing. And it was at this point that Jonah finally overcame his incredible stubbornness and prayed for forgiveness in the mouth of the fish. And God heard that prayer. Praise God. He had the fish spit him out on dry land. And again, once he came out of the fish's mouth, God said to him, Nineveh's that way. (laughs) After all that, God didn't forget Jonah's purpose. He didn't let him off the hook. He wasn't like, that was really hard. I didn't expect that. That was crazy. You're good. No, he's like, go to Nineveh. He had a purpose. And he expected Jonah to fulfill it. And God has a purpose for your life. And he expects you to fulfill it. There are a few other developments to the story. But eventually, Jonah obeys. He goes to Nineveh to fulfill God's call on his life. But the point I want to make here is that sometimes the resistance is not always from the devil. Right? It's from God. And why? Because of our own disobedience. God is trying to get our attention. And he's not going to be influenced by us to change his mind, right? God, I have a lot of um, things I could say. Maybe we could try it a different way. You consider this, you consider that. God's like, dude, I ain't going to change my mind. Just a personal example, um, uh, my wife and I, when we used to live in California about 12 years ago, we sensed that God was calling us to move to Colorado. In fact, this is what he said. He said, Go. And honestly, we were like kind of interested in moving out here, but um, I have family here, but, but we didn't really want to leave our friends and our church. I thought that we'd be there forever, and we wanted to continue growing deeper roots there. But God said, go. And so we kind of like half obeyed, you know, like we started dragging our feet a little bit, heading that direction, but slow. 
And we tried to create our own plans on how we should go by, by looking for jobs and saying, okay, well, God, if one of us has a job, like a good job, then we'll go. But God didn't say, as soon as you have a job, you can go. He said, go. So, like Jonah, we kind of like dragged our feet a little bit, some more. And you know what? We began to experience resistance from God. Two of our best friends, these couples, two couples, our best friends in the world, who went to our church and served on my worship team, announced that they were moving out of state within a month of each other. Like that. They're gone. Got nobody to hang out with. And then at the same time, over the course of about six months, things at my church where I worked started to become a struggle. And I mean more of a struggle than usual. Just like it shouldn't, we all know their struggle, but it shouldn't be this hard. And it just seemed like doors were closing more than they're opening. And, and things were just like crumbling around us. Like, ah, we don't even really want to be here anymore. And that's what was going on. There wasn't a sin or an attack from the enemy involved. It was just God removing a sense of desire for us to stay there. And this was a loving resistance from God that caused us to eventually obey and to move to Colorado. And I'm so glad we did because I wouldn't know any of you wouldn't be here. And I'm, yeah, praise God. But I don't know, if I'm being honest, without that godly resistance, I don't know if we would have left. We were too comfortable, and God knew it. And so the question for you today is not necessarily, are you experiencing resistance in your life? Because I'm sure that you are. I know it. The better question is, what is the source of that resistance? Is it God, or is it Satan? And the answer to that question will tell you if you're on the right track or not. And so, but before we move on, I want to just take a second here for you to consider if there's any part of your life that you are not obeying God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Is there any part of your life that you're not obeying God? Okay, that's between you and the Lord. So lastly... <clears throat> guys doing okay? In the back, are you doing okay? All right, I'll work harder, I'll work harder. Lastly, I want to discuss something that is not talked about very often. And it's the time when God stops his loving resistance. He stops it. And he gives us up to what Paul says in the book of Romans is these three things. He gives us up to impurity, to our dishonorable passions, and our debased mind. The tension that God is providing is released. The resistance is no more. And God gives us up. He hands us over to what we're demanding, to what we insist. What I'm going to read to you is very strong and direct language. And it's, it's really hard to hear, I'll be honest with you. But I believe that it is a prophecy that is being fulfilled in the very days that we are living in right now. Paul is describing in great detail what has become the new normal in our culture today. It's mind-blowing to think this was written 2,000 years ago. And it's so accurate to how people are living today that it's actually pretty scary. And so as I read this, I want to challenge you again to take a very honest look at yourself to see if any of it might describe you or apply to you. So we're going to go in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 21. Romans 1, 21. Paul says, 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. Claiming to be wise, and I'm an expert, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Like, really? That's where we are? You know, like, have you noticed how the environment is like God now? (laughs) Higher than God, like save the planet, save the earth at all costs, all costs. Check this out. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up and the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. That is absolutely happening in our culture right now, right? Just if we, the, the environment is just one example, but the environment has, has been put even above humans, especially above God. And so that's the first part in your notes there, that God has said, okay, he gave them up to impurity. If you insist on heading this direction, go ahead. Verse 26, the second thing he gives us up to. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. He's talking about homosexuality. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So he gave them up to the dishonorable passions. You insist, you keep pushing. Okay, I'm releasing the tension. I'm releasing the resistance. The third thing, verse 28 And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled, listen to this list, and see if it doesn't sound like us, our world. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, all manner, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Let's come up with something new that we can disobey God with, right? Disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they know it. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them, right? That's happening. We celebrate sin. We legislate it in the name of love. That's awesome. Way to go. You should do it. You know what? Let's make our teachers teach this in school. It's that important, right? So he says, okay. He give them up to their debased mind. If you insist, this breaks my heart, but go ahead. There comes a time when God will release his resistance to your disobedience And he will give you over to what you insist on doing. And this is an incredibly dangerous and scary place to be. It leads to death. I guarantee it, it leads to death 100% of the time throughout all of history. Remember Jonah? 
I want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go to Tarshish. Well, what happened to Jonah? He's all alone, drowning in a sea. Exactly where the devil wants him. Isolated and alone. Can't reach out for anybody to help him. Nobody to encourage him. The brotherhood around the world is not there. The devil's got him right where he wants him. It always leads to death. So, if you are experiencing a resistance from God, count yourself lucky. I'm serious. Because he hasn't given you over to your sinful desires yet. You know, if you have that caution in you, like right before you're about to do something bad, and that, look, that caution, like, maybe I shouldn't do this, hey, that's God trying to get your attention. There's a little bit of resistance there, like, don't, okay, stop. If you feel condemnation about sin, that's the devil. But if you feel guilty about it, that's God's loving resistance, reminding you that what you're doing is not only breaking his heart, but it's bad for you. He loves you, and he doesn't want you to suffer because of your bad decisions. Listen, there's still hope, but I can't tell you when that time is that God will say, okay, that's enough. That's enough, Matt. You're going to get your way. You keep insisting, go for it. I don't know when that time is, but I can tell you that you don't want to find out, right? Don't be like Jonah who ran from God's resistance and thought he could escape it. Instead, I am begging you, every person here under the sound of my voice watching online, I'm begging you to embrace the conviction that you're feeling in your heart right now. I know the Holy Spirit's working. That is God convicting you, saying, come back, come back. Nineveh's this way. Come on. And as long as you're still alive, this is good news, you can always come back to the Father with a repentant heart. Amen? He is gracious. He's forgiving. And this is the very reason Jesus died on the cross, to forgive people just like you and me. Can you say amen to that? Listen, there's still hope for you. There's God, I believe, even if he has released his resistance on your life and he's let you just pursue with all your heart a sinful desire, you can still choose to say, I say enough. I'm coming back to God. Oh,